Well, I am so glad not to be preaching today, not because I don't like to preach, but because I'm excited about the message that Tom Sargent will be preaching today. It's a good message. It's a timely message. It's a message that's been on Tom's heart for uh, a little while, but he was scheduled for next week. Tom was scheduled for next week, and what was scheduled for today was I was supposed to be interviewing Mandy Mercado uh, about the lie of independence. And Mandy and Rigo, we found out yesterday that they had to go into quarantine because they were exposed to some family members who had COVID, and uh, so things changed. Things changed rapidly. So yesterday morning, we found that out. I gave... Tom a call, and he said, I'm willing to jump in a week early. So him and Mandy switched. Mandy's interview will be next week, and Tom jumped in today. And, and like I said in the last service, I really believe that God is, is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And so the message that he has for today, I think, is meant to be brought today. I think some people here and some people watching online need to hear this today. This is timely. This is something needed for today. So at that, welcome Give it up for Tom Sargent. All right. All right. Thank you, Chris, uh, so much for that. And thanks to uh, all of you. Uh, great to have the opportunity to talk with you guys uh, again. Hopefully everybody can hear me okay. We had a little audio difficulty last time. We're good. So today in our time together, uh, what I want to talk to you guys about, it's a bit of a, a tricky question to answer, maybe an uncomfortable question to answer today. And that question is, what are you worth? I literally mean you as well as me, but what are you Worth, And I know when I ask such a question, it's probably going to elicit a few different responses. Some people, if not offended, will at least be put off by attempting to ask and answer such a question. Uh, thinking that, you know, who is this guy up on stage to think he can tell me what I'm worth, right? Like, how would he possibly know what I'm worth? Where does he get the gall to tell me what I'm worth? And I get that feeling, and I want to reassure all of you in that camp that I am not the one who makes that decision. So that should put you a little bit at ease. And for the others of you who may not necessarily be offended or put off, but just think that this is a waste of time, right? This is a fool's errand, an impossible task. You know, you cannot determine the worth of a human being. It's just not possible. We are all special, individual, unique creatures whose mommies love us so much, and there's no way to put a value on that. You cannot determine the worth of a human. It can't be quantified. And to those of you on that side, I would say your idealism is adorable, but yet you absolutely can. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it today using a basic free market principle. But before we get into that, I want to talk about why we're doing it. Like, why is it even necessary to determine what you're worth? And I think it's going to serve three functions for us. So knowing our worth will do three things. One, it will lift us up in the way that we think about ourselves and our own worth. Two, it will humble us. And three, it's going to challenge us in the very way that we live our lives. So those are the three things that I think it's going to do. So I think it's a worthwhile exercise. So getting back to how, the how of how we do this, we're going to use a basic principle, like I said, and that principle is that something is worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it, right? It's worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it. So in the real world, we're going to go through a couple of examples here. That picture you see on the screen, you may recognize it. That's the Mona Lisa, 
That's probably the most famous painting in the world. It was painted in 1503 by Leonardo da Vinci. And currently, as per its last insurance valuation, it is valued at $660 million. That, that is an expensive piece of art. $660 million. But why is it valued so highly? And what is the Mona Lisa, really? It's just a 30-inch by 21-inch piece of canvas with a nice picture painted on it, and it hangs on a wall in a museum in Paris. It doesn't provide any necessary life functions. It doesn't nourish you or shelter you from the cold, things that we consider so valuable. So why is it worth $660 million? Because someone is willing to pay $660 million to have it. So it's worth that much. And in case that's not clear enough because the Mona Lisa is not actually for sale, we're going to look at another painting that actually did sell. And you may recognize the guy in the painting. This is the Salvatore Mundi, also by Leonardo da Vinci. Salvatore Mundi means savior of the world. It is a painting of Jesus that actually did sell in 2017. And that sold for a cool $450 million. So it's not out of the realm of, of possibility that someone would pay $660 million to have the most famous painting in the world, the Mona Lisa. So these things are worth what people are willing to pay for them. <clears throat> Let's contrast these expensive paintings to something else. Let's say a cheeseburger. All right. Why is a cheeseburger not worth $660 million? Because right? nobody would ever pay that much for a cheeseburger. They may be delicious. All right? They may actually provide a life-sustaining function. This is food. It provides nourishment. It can sustain your life. Now, I am medically obligated to tell you all that too many will have the opposite effect. But a cheeseburger at its base can nourish you and sustain your life. So why isn't it worth more than the Mona Lisa? Because right? nobody in their right mind would ever pay that much for a cheeseburger. And so we put value on things all the time based on what we're willing to pay. And this doesn't just apply to food or consumer items. Right? We do this with people, with how much we think they're worth or how much what they can do is worth to us. Take, for example, this guy right here. This is Garrett Cole, for all you who aren't Yankees fans. He is the top pitcher for the New York Yankees. And Garrett Cole, in 2019, was signed by the Yankees to a nine-year, $324 million contract. So that is an average annual value of $36 million a year. So why is he worth such a king's ransom, right? For this price, he must cure cancer, no? No, he... No, he actually makes 116 times what your average oncologist would make. So that, that is a doctor whose actual job it is to treat and, where possible, cure cancer. So Garrett Cole makes way more than that. So for that price, he must either end world hunger or stamp out poverty throughout the globe, correct? No. No, he throws a ball really fast and makes it hard for people to hit it with a stick. That's what he does for $36 million a year. All right? And he doesn't do this every day. He does this every fifth day. So why is he possibly worth $36 million? Because the Yankees, the New York Yankees, value him so much and value what he does so much that they are willing to pay him that much money. So therefore, he is worth it. So taking that as our premise for determining what we're worth, assuming none of you has a 98-mile-per-hour fastball and a devastating slider, and the Yankees aren't banging down your door, how do we determine what you are worth? And for that, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 43. So if you happen to have brought a Bible, have your Bible app out, 
you can set it up to Isaiah 43. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4 today. That's going to be our, our main text, all right? And just to set this up, Isaiah happens about 700 years after the events that we just looked at in Exodus. So this is after God has led his people, Israel, out of Egypt. They've settled in their new land. They've grown and prospered. They've had kings. And eventually, over time, they have turned a deaf ear toward the Lord. They had resorted to offering meaningless sacrifices in his temple and committing injustices throughout the nation. They had, over time, either forgotten about or turned their back on their Lord who led them out. And Isaiah's prophecies are actually prophecies of judgment um, in hopes that God's people, Israel, will turn back to him. So that's the setting that God's saying this in. And even in that setting, for people who have been disobedient and have turned their back on the Lord, he makes clear exactly how much we are worth to him. And we're going to start that off in verse 1, where it says, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And that word he uses for redeemed in that passage is the Hebrew word goal, and that uh, means to act as a kinsman redeemer, to avenge, revenge, or ransom, uh, specifically for pe uh, saving people from death. So God's saying, I am acting as a family member who's coming in and paying the price for you to save you from death. I am fully redeeming you. You are mine. You are one of mine because I think you are worth so much. I am going to redeem you. And he goes on in, in verse 2, says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you, <clears throat> and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Now, that, that is a God who values us highly, who puts a great worth uh, on us. And knowing that, knowing that should accomplish the first goal of knowing our worth. All right? It should lift us up. We should look at that, what he says about us, even his people who are being disobedient to him, even what he says about them, and know that that value is tremendously high, that worth is tremendously high, much higher than I think we put on ourselves. We are precious and honored in his sight. And look what he says he'll give up for us. In verse 3, he says, I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. Now, for those not familiar, Cush and Seba are basically the two land masses on either side of the Red Sea. So Cush is going to be Ethiopia and Sudan, and, and Seba, sometimes written as Sheba, is going to be um, Saudi Arabia and Yemen. So he's just saying, I am willing to give this up. You are so precious and honored in my sight. He's saying, Frank, I am willing to give up all the land on this side of the Red Sea for you. And Kale, I am willing to give up all the land on this side of the Red Sea for you because you are so precious and honored in my sight. All right, much more, much more than we, than we put on ourselves. So no matter how down we are or what we think of our own value in our own lives, know that we have a father who values us much more highly than you could imagine. This should cause us to have pride in ourselves, not to wallow in our perceived personal or professional shortcomings. So for the person who is struggling with self-worth or even resulting, resorting to self-harm, or for those being bullied, know that God places so much more worth on you than you are currently feeling or that others are making you feel. You have great worth 
in the eyes of the Father. And for the, the young girl or young woman out there, you don't need to feel like you need to give up your body to feel valued or worthy. Because no matter who it is that you're thinking about doing that for, God has placed a higher value on you than that person ever could, no matter who they are. All right? And for the struggling addict, know that at your lowest moment, you are precious and honored to God, no matter how low you get. Or for the spouse who's struggling and feeling underappreciated or unappreciated, that's something that certainly you need to work on. But know that you are a valued child of God. All right? So no matter how underappreciated you may feel, in that relationship, know that he appreciates you greater than anything on earth. He's willing to give up cities, nations, and regions for you. That's, that's your worth. And uh, for those who are struggling with, with this, to think about it, saying this is just rhetorical worth, right? This is theoretical because God doesn't actually have to trade in Egypt or Ethiopia for us, right? We have a God, thankfully, that puts his spiritual money where his mouth is. Right? And he's paid the price. He put the worth on us and paid the price in full. And we know that from what is probably the most famous Bible verse uh, ever written. This is John 3.16. <clears throat> it's up on the screen for those not familiar. Uh, it goes, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have, ever, but have eternal life. So you could take those words, so loved, and substitute in so highly valued, or was worth so much, right? So you could say, God so loved Daniel that he gave up his one and only son, right? Or God so loved Frankie that he gave up the thing that was most precious to him in all the world. Freely, he paid that price, right? So God paid the ultimate price of his son, and to be honest, is there any price higher than that? than that of our kids? Can you think of anything where you would willingly give over the life of your children in order to pay it? Even on the days, even on the worst days, the days when they are absolutely frying you, right? The days when they are on your last nerve, pushed every last button, and you've gotten to the point where you say, if he just does that one more time, just one more time, I will trade him in for a bagel and a coffee today. But, you, but in reality, in reality, there is no price that you would consider reasonable to give up the life of your child. So God paid with that which is most precious to him in all the world. He paid with the life of his son. So that should lift us up. That should let us know that we are so highly valued, so loved, so precious and honored in his sight that he was willing to give up the farm, right? Give it, give it all up for us, to pay the price for us. So that accomplishes goal one of knowing our worth. That's going to lift us up. However, there are other reasons to do that. Number two is that knowing our true worth should humble us and make us equal. Right? It's going to humble us and make us all equal because we just talked about the great price that God willingly paid for us, but you've got to remember something. He may have paid a high price for you, but he paid the exact same price for everyone else. Right? Everyone he paid the same price price for because he values us so much. So he paid the same price for the pastor of our church as he did for the first time attender. Right? He paid the same price for the person leading worship as the one who never utters a word in church or is afraid to sing. Right? He paid the same price for the wealthy CEO as he did for the homeless addict so that none of us can boast or look down on the other. He paid the same price for you that he did for that family member that you're currently struggling with or even for that person who hurt you and against whom you're holding on to so much anger. 
that may be hard to hear or deal with, but that's the humbling nature of the value that we have, the value that we all have. It's the ultimate equality because he paid the same price. Jesus died equally for all of us so that none of us can think that we earned it based on our own awesomeness or accomplishments, right? So we need to realize that the price, the price that he paid for you isn't about you. It's rather about his love for you, all right? So just to hear it again, the price that he willingly paid for you is not about you, but about his love for you, all right? And he, that is made clear, as we just read, in Isaiah 43. If you look at verse 4, it says, Since you are precious and honored in my sight, in my sight, not if you're precious and honored based on your accomplishments or based on how great you think you are, not since you're precious and honored based on the opinions of those in your community, because you are precious and honored in my sight, in his sight, and because I love you out of his love for us, he will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. That's what it's about. It's about his love for us and how highly he values us. And knowing that, taking a second to humble ourselves in that should allow us to have boundless forgiveness. Right? Knowing this, knowing that all toward whom we have anger or have even hurt us are just as precious to God and he's willing to give up just as much for them as he did for us. It should humble us and it should allow us to have compassion and understanding for others that seems incomprehensible to the rest of the world. And we should allow us to pray for the hearts of people who have even done terrible, terrible things. Terrible things. So um, if any of you have had a chance to watch the podcast, the Justice Series podcast that Pastor Chris and I have done. We did one on uh, human trafficking where the, the worker from the Rescue Foundation told a story about one of the human traffickers that they actually busted. And this is a person who participated in horrible things, who inflicted atrocities on young girls who ran a brothel and trafficked these women into sex trafficking. And this person after being busted, after brought to justice, there was a person in the Rescue Foundation who continued to invest in this person, who humbled themselves enough not to get caught up on, on what, they thought they, what they thought this person deserved, but to pray with this person, to meet with them in church, sorry, meet with them in prison, and eventually this person came to a saving faith in the Lord, which is amazing on its own, but even more so, since they humbled themselves and invested in this person, they came to the Lord after serving their time. This person took that brothel that they used to use for sex trafficking and horrors and allowed it to be used as a church. Now, this is the work that can be done when we value others in the way that God values us, to know that we are all equal and that the price paid for us is equal. And this is something that I think is hard to do. I think you know, we struggle with this a lot. I mean, honestly, do you look at other people that way? I know I personally struggle to do so. I tend to look at people who have done bad things and tend to think they haven't earned compassion, which is not true. I need to humble myself to realize that. And I tend to look at people who are in low positions in life and think that maybe they wouldn't be there if they had made better decisions or maybe worked harder in the way that I did. I need to humble myself on that and realize that they are just as valued and precious to God as I am. So these are the ways that knowing your worth and knowing where your worth comes from should really humble you and realize that we are all equal to the Lord. So that is the second reason why it's important to know your worth. And the third reason 
the final one that we want to talk about today. Why it's important to know your worth is because knowing your true worth will challenge you in the very way that you live our lives. It should challenge you to live as though we are worthy of the value that God has assigned to us. So really, how do we do that? Because we just talked about how it isn't about us, about how we can't actually earn it, and it all came from Christ. And that's the point, right? This is a price that only God could pay, not us. And he makes this very clear if you look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, where it states, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So he's saying here, it's not with perishable things. What we have, what we think we earn, the way that we think we earn it is with perishable things. We don't have to offer, we don't have in the bank the price that it's going to take to redeem ourselves. Only God could pay that, and only with the blood of Christ could that value be satisfied. Could that price be paid? So it's an important point as we go through this last uh, section to, to remember, don't hear me saying that we need to live a life to earn it. We cannot earn it. That's the exact point. We cannot earn the value that God places on us, but we should try to live a life that respects the value God places on us. We can't earn it, but we should try to live a life that respects it. And there's a distinction between the two, between earning it and respecting it. And to try to illustrate that, we're going to use a clip from a movie. And it's good. we're going to play in a second a clip from the movie Saving Private Ryan. Uh, for those of you not familiar with this movie, excellent film, uh, probably the best war movie of my lifetime. But Saving Private Ryan is set in World War II in Europe, and it centers around the story of a private James Ryan whose brothers have all died in the war. And the army is desperately trying to find him to bring him back and send him back to his family so they don't lose all of their children. And they are so concerned about this, he has become so precious and honored to them that they are willing to send a troop of soldiers out into the war-torn countryside to find him and bring him back. And in the course, they uh, come across many dangers, and many of them give their lives trying to save and bring back Private Ryan, which sounds a lot like Isaiah 43.4, right, where he's saying, you're precious and honored in my sight. I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. So people are being given in exchange for Private Ryan. And we're going to play a clip from the end of the movie where an older Private Ryan visits the grave of the captain who led the soldiers to save him. All right, so despite his use of the word earn in that scene, this really illustrates the difference between respecting it and earning it because James Ryan knows that he can't really earn the price that was paid for him, right? So no matter what he did in life, whether he cured cancer, became president, or wound up in the criminal justice system his whole life, the same amount of men would have died for him. The price would always be the same. He could never bring those men back, and he could never return them to their families. So he could never work it off or earn it, but he could try to live a life that respected, that honored the price that would pay for him. That's why he's asking his wife, have I been a good man? Have I lived a good life? He knows that's really all he can do to honor the sacrifice that was made for him. And in the same way, uh, we're called to live a life that honors the sacrificial price 
that was paid for us. And we have to ask ourselves, are there aspects, aspects of your life that send a message to God that we either take for granted or don't fully respect the loving and sacrificial price he paid for you and me? Or do we send him that message that we don't fully respect it? When we think about the things and the ways that we live our lives that could fail to show respect because God paid the ultimate price. He paid with the life of his son. And in exchange, we neglect or even abuse our families. Right? He paid the ultimate price and we cheat on our spouses. Right? We hold grudges and we specialize in unforgiveness against each other. Right? He paid a, 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 the incredibly high price of his son, and yet we wallow in self-hate and self-doubt, and we fail to see the value he places on us. He gave up the body of Christ who shed his blood for us, and still we give up our body that he paid for to sexual immorality, to pornography, for seeking attention or approval. All right, does that really respect the high price that was paid? And he actually speaks to this directly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 which says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. And the, the word that he uses for bought at a price is the Greek agorozo, and that is actually translated to mean to buy in a marketplace or to purchase. So he's saying, make no mistake, there was a price to be paid and I paid it. I paid it in full the only way it could be paid. And just honor, honor that price that was paid for you. Because and honestly, in honesty, we still do things that don't honor it. We, we constantly fall back into our worldly addictions, all right? We look down on others who don't think like us or maybe who don't earn as much as us or don't even vote like you, all right? Does that really respect the, the price that was paid for us? And more so, we come here on Sundays and, and then go live our, the rest of our week like he doesn't exist. Is that honoring the high price the resources that were invested in us. And these things are not said to make you feel bad about yourselves or feel guilty, just things that we need to think about and examine in our lives and the way that we honor that which was paid for us. And there's really one important question when you examine your life that you have to ask yourself. Very important question. And that is, are you the Mona Lisa or are you a cheeseburger? All right. Probably a question you never thought you would phrase that way ever in any reasonable situation. But are you the Mona Lisa or are you a cheeseburger? Because right. I know personally, personally, the God, that God values me as the Mona Lisa, but I have given him repeatedly cheeseburger value in return. All right. I don't know if anybody can identify with that. You don't have to raise your hands. I assume there's a few. All right. So how often do we give God cheeseburger after he pays for Mona Lisa? But make no mistake, despite that, God will always value us as the Mona Lisa. That never changes. That price has always been paid. So despite your results today, God values you as the Mona Lisa tomorrow and the next day and the day after that and the day after that. New every morning, right? He values you that highly every day. He paid that inconceivably high price for all and he always will have because we are so precious and honored in his sight because we're so valuable to him. So let's not devalue that which God deems so valuable, right? So valuable that he would give up Cush and Seba and Egypt for us, right? So valuable that he would pay for us with the Salvatore Mundi, right? the savior of the world, his son. So really the basic answer to the question that we started with today of what are you worth, 
the answer to what are you worth is one. You are worth one Savior of the world. You are worth one Son of God. Right? You are worth one of the most precious thing that God had to pay for you with. Right? You are worth one of everything that God had. And he freely paid it for you because you are so precious and honored in his sight because he loves you so much. He paid for it. So that should lift us up. All right? That should humble us and know that we are all equal. And that should challenge us in the very way that we live our lives in order to honor it. Amen? So I'm going to call up Josh and Joni to uh, come back up here. And as we get ready to reflect here, there are three questions that I want to leave you guys with. Three things that we should think about when we really think about our value and our worth in the eyes of the Father. One, in what ways are you devaluing yourself or underestimating your worth as determined by the Father? What ways are you selling yourself short? And number two, where do you either elevate your own worth over that of others or consider others to be less valuable than you? And believe it or not, these are two different things. And let me just explain that for a minute. Where are you saying, well, hey, we're all good here, but I do a little bit more, right? I'm talking on stage or I'm playing the guitar. I do a little bit more, so I am worth a little bit more to God, trust me, right? So where do we say that versus where do we say, hey, I'm flawed, I know it, but these people over here, well, they, they're just untouchable. They are the lowest of the low. They're below me. So, so where do we elevate ourselves and where do we push down others? All right, so this, and the third parting question is this. What aspects of your life do you want to ask God for help with in order to better reflect the incredibly high price that he lovingly paid for you? What are those aspects that we're going to challenge ourselves on? So these are just some things to think about, and we're going to have a time of reflection. After we're done with worship, I'm glad to pray with any of you who want to pray about these things. But Josh, if you just could play us for a bit. We're going to reflect on these questions and, and what it means for our worth in the eyes of the Father, how we perceive ourselves, and how we perceive others. And I hope this has been helpful uh, for you guys and just know how precious and honored you all are in the sight of our loving Father. And God bless you guys.